0: we thank you for your word the entrance of your word brings light it lifts burdens destroys yokes empowers us to overcome in life and does much more let that be our testimony this afternoon in the name of our lord and savior jesus christ and everybody says amen 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 Amen. this is our fourth uh, um, session in what will be a five-part series um, on spiritual warfare. Now, it's not that it ends uh, in the sense that I suspect for the next uh, so many weeks, there'll be different dimensions of it uh, that will be taught from this pulpit. But this particular series is a five-part series, and um, this is the fourth part uh, of that five-part series. And today, a subtitle uh, is, is part four of spiritual warfare, would be How Satan Fights Us. How Satan Fights Us. Um, when she shared her testimony, uh, Joy quoted that scripture, John, the 10th chapter and the 10th verse. The thief comes, the, th- the thief does not come except to steal, to kill, and to destroy. I have come that they may have life and they may have it more abundantly. Uh, That scripture pits against each other uh, two kingdoms, two opposing sides with directly, diametrically opposite mandates. Uh, One comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Another comes that we might have life and have the abundance of life. The enemy's mission statement is clear. Uh, he wants to steal, to kill, and to destroy. He wants to frustrate, shame, humiliate, destroy, harass, intimidate. And the list goes on and on. Don't be fooled. Our adversary is real. His minions, the, 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 the demons, that, the fallen angels that, that support his cause are very real. Don't just get so intellectually sophisticated that you think they don't exist. That's exactly what they want. They are as real as you and I are. I've chosen to call them, and I think I picked it up from Derek Prince, to call them bodiless persons. That's who they are. They are persons, they just don't have bodies. And they have a dark intent, an evil mission. They are malevolent, wicked, and diabolical. They hate you in much the same way that they hate me. They will go to any length, employ any, every resource that, that is at their disposal to achieve their objective and their pain. They are delighted when they can cause harm, when they can destroy, when they can pervert. Uh, they, it brings them whatever the equivalent of joy for you and I, when they can frustrate, when they can intimidate. Uh, it, it brings them joy in, in who they are And Satan is at the head of this army For it's not just him The Bible helps us understand that he does have an army That helps him achieve his objective Paul in writing to us in the book of Ephesians Says in Ephesians the 6th chapter and the 12th verse For we don't wrestle against flesh and blood But please he does not say that we don't wrestle at all He says, we just don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but we do wrestle. We wrestle against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. The Passion Translation puts it in more modern language. The Bible says, your hand-to-hand combat is not with human beings. It doesn't say that there is no hand-to-hand combat. It says that, but it's not with human beings. But there is a hand-to-hand combat. There is a fighting. He says, with the highest principalities and authorities operating in rebellion under the heavenly realms. For they are a powerful class of demon gods and evil spirits that hold this dark world in bondage. He tells us that we are facing an organized hierarchy of wickedness and evil that is standing against the child of God. And a cursory look at what he lists will tell you that this is really the hierarchy of Satan's army. This is, this is not just the hierarchy. This is the top. These are the top echelons of, of Satan's army. But then as you read the Bible, you realize that That they have their foot soldiers. That's what I have chosen to call them. Um, Those who we engage with here on a day-to-day basis. Those who carry out their intention and their plans. I call them their foot soldiers. The evil spirits that are here. The demons that are here. What the Bible calls unclean spirits in some versions. And they would love you to imagine that they don't exist. Because you see, Satan thrives in ignorance and darkness. And we have come to know that knowledge is power. The truth you know will set you free. But they don't want you to know that truth. So of course they love it when Christians read the Bible in a selective manner. And you will find that there are many Christians who are in that position. Who read the Bible in a very selective manner. There are portions of the Bible that they are encouraged by these bodiless persons to overlook. And this is one area in the Bible that you want to overlook. But you cannot read this word of God without coming to the conclusion, by the evidence that the Bible gives us, that there is an organized hierarchy of wickedness, bodiless persons that we can't see with our eyes, who are engaged in a battle against us. And I feel that the rubber hits the road when we encounter their foot soldiers, as I call them. One of Jesus' first encounters as he began ministry in Mark, the first chapter, was with one of these foot soldiers. The Bible says from verse 21 to 20, 27 that he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day and, and taught. That was his, his custom we were astonished at, at his teaching and there was a man in the synagogue with an unclean spirit and he cried out saying let us alone what have we to do with you jesus of nazareth did you come to destroy us i know who you are the holy one of god how many know when the bible says he cried out it doesn't mean that the man cried out yeah because it wasn't the man speaking the man was a regular attendee in church. He seemed okay. Look at the person next to you. But unknown to, unknown to people, he was dealing with issues that had allowed an unclean spirit into him. A demon, whatever term you want to call it, an evil spirit had, had found its way into him. Now, rest assured that as a child of God, it is impossible for, an, for any evil spirit to possess you. You're a child of God. It is however possible, as a result of circumstances, open doors, open gateways, things we've dabbled in, for evil spirits to have an influence in our lives, to have some sort of a foothold in particular areas. But possessed, a child of God cannot be possessed. But influenced, affected, definitely. I've seen that. What I teach you is not just head knowledge. I teach you out of my own experiences in life. The things I have been through and the things I have dealt with. The Spirit spoke to him. They are persons. They have a voice. They speak. I remember 27 or 28 years ago, the first time, this was in my first year of ministry uh, as, as a minister of God. I was, in a sense, in some apprenticeship without knowing it was an apprenticeship. And so, there was a, a lady in church who I knew, who, who was, you know, a friend, Family friend as well. Um, and she was having a lot of issues. So the senior pastor said, look, this girl needs prayers. That, you know, there are a lot of things happening in her life that just are not natural. We, yeah, I was only a year, you know. So they said to me, pray for her. I, I'll never forget this. So, we, you know, she came. We, I started praying for her. Just praying. First praying in tongues. Just following what they had taught, what I had seen him do and what they had taught me. Then I started to plead the blood of Jesus. Next thing. From deep inside her, a male guttural voice spoke at me. It took everything I have not to have run out of that room. Because I looked at this girl. She was tall, uh, a you know, very attractive girl. I knew her very well. You know, light-skinned girl, very attractive. And a male guttural voice, not even a nice male voice, was, spoke- was speaking to me. I can't even remember what he asked me. My eyes grew big, and I thought, what is going on here? That was my first encounter. But since then, uh, I can tell you stories. We were here all day. I remember um, a a girl we were were praying for. And as we were praying for her, uh, this case was very interesting. Because why I even prayed for her was because I was away on a retreat and praying. Out of the blue, God showed me a picture. In the picture, I saw the girl, but it was a younger version of her, at a river. And it was almost dark. And there were some funny men at the river. And they were cutting her body. So I thought, why is God showing me this thing? So as soon as I got back from the retreat, I called her. I said, I had a strange vision when I was praying. I saw you at a river. And the man at the river it's a very sophisticated girl, as in Jesus House sophisticated. <laughs> is there? I mean, is, you know, I've, I've, she's here. Yeah. Let's just leave it like that. <laughs> so, I said, and they were cutting you, and you were bleeding where they were cutting you. She said to me, "It was me." I said, "It was you." She said, "Yes." She said, "When I was 17." So I used to fall sick all the time. So my parents took me to a man to stop me from falling sick. And he took me to this river. And then she showed me, this is where, this is where, this is, you know, showed me, that he caught me and robbed some, I said, it was you. Ha! With this Prada bag and all this sophistication. (laughs) So I said, I'll pray for you. So, she came. I prayed for her. As I was praying for her, and this, when you're praying, and you're fighting this kind of bodiless persons, the Spirit of God has to be showing you things. The Spirit of God told me that it's her father. So, I said to the Spirit, I said, I rebuke you, foul spirit from that family. A male voice just came out. I, and this is just not far. This is a few months. So I'm not telling you something that was. And the voice said to me, where do you want me to go? And then called her father's ancestral name, which I didn't know. Because I asked her later, what name was that? She said, that's her father's ancestral name. And said, so-and-so invited me in. I said, really? I said, you will leave her today. I'm not exaggerating. Right before my eyes after that prayer. I have seen that young lady's life do a 180 degree turn. The way she's excelling and moving, I know that if God had not delivered her. So I'm not, what I'm trying to say is that I'm not telling you theory. The, the, it's in the Bible. It spoke back to God. The person spoke back to God. Say, why, why are you troubling us? What did Jesus say? Jesus said, be quiet and come out of him. And the Bible says, and when the unclean spirit had convulsed him and cried out with a loud voice, he came out of him. You know, people don't like talking about deliverance. You know, I say to them, deliverance is not complicated. Jesus never touched anybody. When you find people who are beating people, they they themselves need deliverance you are going beating somebody? You're beating me physically. These are bodiless persons. I'm feeling the pain. They are not feeling the pain. Can you see how stupid you are? Use the weapons of your warfare that are not carnal to get rid of them. Don't touch me. Don't touch me. The only reason you're touching me is because you don't have any power. When Jesus did his deliverance, he spoke the word and they obeyed. So I don't, I don't touch anybody. Just say, sometimes it's Go. And sometimes it's don't trouble her again. You know, I love the story of the madman of Gadara. You know, I I love these stories because they just destroy all this foolish worldly wisdom. (laughs) Mark 5. The Bible tells the story. There was this man, (laughs) he lived in the tombs, that was his dwelling. No one could bind him, not even with chains. Every time they tried to bind him with chains or or shackles, he broke them. No one could tame him. And night and day he roamed in the mountains, crying out. I mean, you can imagine how terrifying this guy must have been. When you just hear from where where the cemetery is, the tombs, the mountains, just hear one voice crying out in the night. Most of you will just take off and run away. He would be crying out, roaming around, and cutting himself. And in our world today, they would say the man has a mental problem, and he does. But then his mental problem does not have his roots in the mental realm. So you can treat it mentally. If you don't deal with where it started from, he will just be in some sort of reprieve to go back and even sometimes become worse. Because the problem is not mental, per se. So thank God for psychiatrists and and all those who deal with all those things but i always look for is there a christian one i can find because these people have phd in mental problems that have to do with this realm but some of these problems have to do with another realm so while i need dr so-and-so here i need dr so-and-so who understands that realm because i understand from my bible that a lot of things come from that realm So you can imagine if they had found this man, they would have taken him somewhere and said, he's mad. And then they give him drugs, which is good because it deals with the mental issue, the natural realm, the soulish realm. But when he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and worshipped him. This madman, who nobody could hold, saw Jesus and then ran and worshipped him. Please don't tell me these things are just how they are. And then he cried out with a loud voice and said what have i to do with you jesus son of the most high god i implore you by god that you do not torment me now how many know that the man is so tormented he cannot be talking it cannot be the man talking what more torment you're cutting yourself you're 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 harming yourself there's no more torment so instantly you know that that is not the man speaking and because jesus understood that and may god give us a lot of discernment in this area to see things into the spirit spirit realm. Jesus said to him, come out of the man on clean spirit. And then Jesus asked him, what is your name? And he answered saying, my name is Legion for we are many. How many know that one man said we are many? How many know it's not the man who is speaking? You, know, you hear some people speak. You think he's the no, no, not the one speaking. It. Jesus said, What is your name? Every one of these bodiless persons, they have names too. Huh? You have a name? Why should you think they shouldn't have a name? So Jesus said, What's your name? He said, Legion. See, I was giving that name Legion because there were many. And the thing with these bodiless persons, these spirits, they move around in gangs. When I see a particular spirit in operation in a person's life, without even asking, I can tell you, usually three, four, sometimes seven, that are operating. They move around. They are persons. Do you like to be alone? As a person, do you like to be alone? Talk to me, church. Why do you think they like to be alone? So when the lion's spirit comes, it brings the spirit of deception. They just gather themselves. My cousin, come. (laughs) That's how they operate. This time, there was a party going on in the man. Because he said, Legion. Legion, I think, is 2,000, if I remember rightly. He says, my name is Legion, for we are many. And he begged him earnestly that he would not send them out of the country. Now, the prize for bodiless persons is a body. They are hoping that they can find space and a lot of times they don't want any other occupant apart from their kind. So he said, please don't chase us out. When they knew that Jesus was going to chase them out, guess what they said to Jesus? These pigs that are there chase us into the pigs. You know what they were saying? We are so desperate for a body. If we can't find a human body, an animal body will do. It's all in your Bible. I'm not telling stories. I hope you're reading it. Oh, good. They put it on the screen. Because somebody can say, ah, where did this man get this story? And the Bible says Jesus gave them permission. Go into the pigs. Unknown to these this foolish, bodiless persons, their end was near. Because the pigs had been programmed to drown themselves. As soon as they entered the pigs, in unison, the thousands of pigs ran down the cliff and ran into the water and all drowned. You can be walking around thinking it's all about Westfields and Costa Coffee and, you know, cappuccino, you know. Where are we meeting up? Let's meet, let's meet up at that fancy restaurant, El Sushi, Mexican and, and Japanese. You think that's all that's going on? Bodiless persons roaming around looking for how to destroy. Spirits of lust, sexual immorality, perversion, sexual perversion roaming around. Just ask the guy who does not, can't explain why during the day he's a different person. At night, when his family has slept, he's a different person on the internet looking at pornography. Secret life. Spirits of lost. Ask the girl who, who just cannot explain why this boy, eh, this boy, he broke her heart, left her, took the friend, dealt with the friend. Then dealt with her cousin, and then he has come back again. And and she's just saying, I don't even know. Eh? He's coming again. And she knows that as he comes, there's nothing she can do. Spirits, these bodiless persons, they've got hold of her heart. And she goes to church in Jesus' house. Spirits of anger, explosive anger. Then they'll say to you, this thing is in your family, and you think it's a joke. See, your father gets angry like this, your brother gets angry. You say, eh, that's how we are. We don't like it when people cheat, cheat us. We we take, we take, take, make sure we deal with them. Look at you. Bodiless persons are camped in your life. <laughs> anger. Just can't explain it. After I preached this in the morning, one guy came up to me. My heart went out to him. He said, That anger, he says, me you were talking about. Say, so I've been fasting and praying. I rebuke that spirit over his life. Spirit of strife and discord. Everything was peaceful until you arrived. And you did not even have to say anything. You just arrived and the people started fighting. Does that not tell you that you did not come alone, that some people came with you? Because you didn't even say anything. They were loving each other until you got there. You look at some families. Strife. History of strife. Auntie so-and-so does not talk to uncle so-and-so. This side does not talk to this side. Siblings that should love each other are just fighting. And when you ask them, what is the cause of the fight? They say, well, I don't really know, but she gets on my nerves. I say, they must be cause. Co- Life is cause and effect. How does she get on your nerves? Well, pastor, it's been a long time, but I really can't stand her in my space. I say it's bodiless persons, strife and discord, argumentative spirits. You say good morning, they say, what is good about the morning? And why did you say, I say, it's only good morning, I said. If you want afternoon, let it be afternoon. Huh? I say, why are, you, why are you fighting me? Everything is an argument. I know one guy like that. Everything is an argument frank lampard is good at the chelsea no it's not why do you say so this is how you comment about things you don't know about have you looked at him compared to club i said look they don't pay you two hundred thousand. they don't pay me why are you stressing me out okay frank lampard is not good just to end it because there's just an argumentative spirit and he doesn't no he thinks it's normal i looked at him saying you need deliverance how can you argue about football what do they they, don't, they pay them 200000 You and I are here trying to earn a living. Why are you arguing about the thing? Your blood pressure is rising. You want my own blood pressure to rise. I say I rebuke you and the spirit inside you. <laughs> Spirits of covetousness and greed. You buy things you don't need. And you yourself, you can't explain why you bought it. There's bloodless persons are whispering, you need it. You need it. Uh, you need it. Think about it. What if the other 10 you have go bad? This should be number 11. They are whispering to you. And they take you over. You go and use a credit card that you should not use. Max up your debt. Become a slave to debt. Spirits of covetousness and greed. That's what has, that's what has possessed African leaders. So you steal one billion not 1 billion kwacha. Kwacha <laughs> is the Zambian currency. Not 1 billion CDs. Not 1 billion naira. You still 1 billion pounds. 1 billion pounds. And you put it in a bank. If, if the spirits were not possessing you, you should just know that 10% interest, I don't have to spend this money, 100 million pounds every year, is enough for anybody. The money is enough for four generations, but those bodiless persons will be telling you, it will finish. It will finish. Take some more. You say, no, no, no. They say, take some more. Because this one is for four generations. You have to secure ten generations. That's how covetousness and greed. They are spirits. Spirits of fear and anxiety. You don't even know why you're afraid. I have a friend, highly successful, I mean highly successful. And envious, if people, if people are into envy. An envious place. But this friend, if I phone her at a time that is not the normal time I phone, as soon as the phone rings, is everything okay? I say everything is okay. I just didn't call at 12 as I usually call. I'm just calling at 2. She said, Are you sure? Everything? I say, Everything is okay. Spirit of fear. Anxiety. Something is telling you your head is going to go wrong. You know, the spirits of this, this bodyless persons they'll be telling you it's too good to be true. It has to spoil. So you can't enjoy what God is doing because of a spirit of fear. Spirits of sadness and depression. You're just sad. They say, what's making you sad? You say, I don't know. Then they help you explain it away. They say, oh, you are cleric." I say, what is that? I say, this is, your, this is your personality type. I say, is that in the Bible? They say, no. I say, the Bible says the joy of the Lord is my strength. Anything that's not the joy of the Lord, call it whatever intellectual sounding name you are, it makes no sense to me. they just bodiless persons whispering, you have to be sad. So you wake up. They say, you're sad. You say, why? He says it's the weather. It's gray and dull. I say, sorry for you. I live in England. It's gray and dull nine months of the year. You want me to be sad nine months of the year? No. I create my own sunshine atmosphere around me. And I carry it. Wherever I'm going, I carry it. So it can be gray and dull outside around Agwiruku. Anybody who knows me will tell you that around Agwiruku, it is not, never gray and dull. Cannot allow spirits that are looking for where to land to come and land in my my house. Land in my life. Just sad. Spirits of rejection. Spirits of low self-esteem. They're just always whispering in your ear. I have a friend who is a high flyer. Believe me, high flyer. Top of her game. But I don't know how many nights I have spoken to this friend for hours just trying to tell her that don't believe what they are telling you. You have done so well. Everything she does, they tell her is nothing. I'm looking at her thinking 99% of women I know will give an arm and a leg to have what you have. But those spirits of low self esteem, they diminish anything God is doing in our life. Spirits of sickness and disease, not every sickness is a natural one. Some are, but not everyone. That's why sometimes they will bring a sick person to Jesus. He will not even address the sickness, he'll address the spirit, and the sickness will go. That should tell us that there are spirits of sickness and disease. I remember the story I was told by an elderly Englishman who I've kind of adopted as one of my mentors. Amazing story. True life story. He's very elderly in the late 80s. His son fell ill. His son had stage four of one of the cancers. It had spread to his brain and to his spine. True story. The wife was praying, and the Lord showed the wife a face, someone's face. And the wife was wondering, what, What's what? They were praying for the son, as most Christians will do. The face the wife saw a few days later, a, a, a young mentee of theirs came to their house, and with the mentee was the person she saw. So she was in shock. She opened the door and thought, i your face. I just saw your face in a, in a dream, I mean, in, in a picture when I was praying. So it turns out the guy wanted to pray for their son. So they took the guy to pray for their son. He prayed for their son. They continued praying. And in their prayer, God told them that this thing is really something that was thrown at your son because of the work you're doing for the gospel. True story. Cut a long story short. She told the doctors that God has shown us what it is and God will sort him out. The doctors said, move him to a hospice because there's no hope. It's in his brain, in his spine. That boy, this thing happened almost 20 years ago. That boy is preaching the gospel today. It was not that was not a physical sickness. It was spirits. I'm not telling you stories. Spirits of poverty. We prayed for someone. This person's life didn't make any sense to me. <laughs> the kind of salary the person was earning, I said to the person, you are in the top 0.1% In Jesus house I should know I'm the pastor I say you are in the top what I say 0.1% I said and you are always broke and you are not irresponsible it's not like the person was gambling or anything crazy I said all that it is is that it looks like there's a basket of holes into which you put your money many things. Every month there's this, there's that, there's this. You never have money. I don't know how many occasions I bless this person because they just did not have money. And they are earning ten times what I'm earning. Probably. So I said, I need to pray for you. When we started praying, the Lord told me, it's a spirit of poverty. This particular prayer, Bajo was there with me. When we rebuked the spirit of poverty, the manifestations, I don't know how Bajo coped. His eyes must have been growing big, but you know, that's what it is. That, get, that person got up and I have watched their lives. I know they are a treasurer for the kingdom. Just the turnaround that I've seen in their life. It was a spirit of poverty that was assigned to their family. So I said, to, I said to this person, I said, there are seven of you. All of you are living like church rats. And yet you're from a good home. I said, they assigned that spirit to you. I said, thank God you've broken out. I said, break, your, break out for your family. So it didn't have to do with salary. She was, the person was anywhere. I can tell you many stories. Many stories. Young boy comes into my office. <laughs> Young, correct, Jesus house boy. Correct. In fact, I remember it was wearing a polo shirt. Correct. Correct. Huh? And I know the boy in church. I said, what's wrong? He looked like a madman. I said what is wrong he said rambling I said what happened to you I saw you a few days ago what's, what's wrong with you stay rambling you talk here talk here just rambling in my office so I said Holy Spirit what is this show me what's going on here <laughs> the Holy Spirit showed me this boy sleeping with a woman I knew was a prostitute So so I said to him, calmed him down. I said, let me pray for you. So I prayed for him. He fell on the floor. And I don't want to tell you what he was simulating on the floor of my office. vile acts. So the Holy Spirit said to me, when he slept with that person, they transferred stuff into him. It turns out that he joined a is that what they're called? A club. A club. And part of the initiation into the club was that they would they'd take you somewhere, pay for a prostitute, to sleep with a prostitute. Just guys just having fun. They told me that's where they got him. So those spirits now are driving him mad. So we prayed. The power we have is prayer. That boy is married with children, living normally now. can go on on and on spirits of failure just see the cycle of failure in a family cycle 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 every time just before you know some families are the families of just before we were about to break through we were just about uncle was just going to father was just going to father died just going to and then you are now just going to Spirits of unforgiveness. I know a woman who is in her 80s. I'm praying she doesn't die with the unforgiveness she has in her heart. She is nursing a grievance against more people than I know. Everybody. Ah, see, madam, a serious Christian, in inverted commas, never misses service, knows all the songs and every scripture but the unforgiveness in our heart. Those bodiless persons have camped there. That's why Paul says to us in Ephesians, the 6th chapter and the 10th verse, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of Satan against the wiles, the, the, the schemes, the deceits of Satan. Our, our, our sub-theme was how, we, how Satan fights us. Well, he fights us with wiles, with schemes, with deceits. You might ask me why. The reason is because Satan does not have the power that we think he has. He cannot take you on without you cooperating with him. From the beginning, in Genesis the third chapter, when he wanted to seduce Eve, his methodology was deceit. Genesis the third chapter, he says to her, Did God really say that God doesn't want you to be like him? that's why he said putting thoughts in her mind and once she allowed those thoughts to take root that was the end of it she sinned and then seduced her man to sin and you know if Eve had made the mistake and Adam had covered her because you see the man is the covering of the woman is not uh, don't, you don't get into a feminist lather. Is not nothing against you know. Some, feminism is not a bad word. It's people who have made the word dirty. What does feminism mean? That a woman has the same rights as a man. Yes, she does. God did not make one higher than the other. All of us equal before God. Husband and wife equal. But in terms of a covering. God made the man the covering. That's all. You know, if people understood this, if, if men understood the responsibility of manhood, believe me, if there's another world, with what I know, I want to be a woman. It's just that there's no other world. To be a man? To be a man? When they say you're the covering, it means that when they throw something, it hits you first. That's covering. Covering means covering. It means that that if you understand what it is to be a man, you are a servant leader, not boss. Servant leader means you sacrifice. The example the Bible uses for us guys, guys, is the way Christ loved his church. He died for her. To be a man, I'd rather be a woman who... Who is married to a man who knows who he is in Christ? Amen. You sacrifice, you deny yourself for her. You lay down yourself for her. It's a tall order. You take the hits for her. How many know at this point you want to be the her? <laughs> you are charged by God. And will account for not bringing out the best in her. God says, I put potential in her. Bring out the potential. That's your responsibility. She becomes who I destined her to become. Because you served her. That's why I would rather be a woman. Let somebody come and do all these things for me. It's just that you have a lot of of men with multiple personality disorders. So they don't know who they're supposed to be. So they come back home. They say, I'm the boss. They say, where's my food? Then they make statements like, don't you know I'm in charge? No, you're not, you, you're not in charge. That's why you have to say, don't you know I'm in charge? Because if you were, if you were doing what you should do, I've asked most women, if you find a man who has your back, who serves you, who puts your interests first? Uh, you don't have to ask for your food if, if that's how you people judge what is doing what. She will cook, she will somersault in the kitchen and be cooking for you because of who you are. If you want her to hang upside down and serve, she will hang upside down because she's saying, For what this man does. But when you do nothing, it's all about you, you're self consumed, yourself. You dress up to the T. You haven't even looked at her hair. She did the hair. You don't even know. She did it like this. You don't know. She did it like this. You don't know. She did it like this. You don't know. That's how you create problems. Then she'll go to the office and Dave is the one telling her. You've got a really nice hairstyle. The next thing you're saying, Dave, Dave, uh, why why are you always texting Dave? Because Dave is paying attention to her. Oh, please, let me go and let me finish. And so the battlefield is obvious. That is a, the, the main battlefield is our minds. That's where the battle is. We, it rages in our minds. That's why if you look at the person next to you, they look okay, but trust me, they are fighting in their minds. Those bodiless persons are trying to tell them things, and they are fighting. If you don't overcome it in your mind, you cannot be. That's why Paul says to us in 2 Corinthians, the 10th chapter, the 3rd to the 6th verse, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not walk according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds Casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. And being ready to punish all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. When your obedience is fulfilled, you win the battle of the mind. Every argument, you cast it down. Every thought that is against God, you pull it down. The picture that I want you to imagine is a hunter hunting down those words in your mind and taking them prisoner. That's what we do. And next week, we'll talk about the weapon that we will use to do it. Amen? Amen. So let me end with an example. (laughs) I searched the Bible. I thought, God, can you show me an example of all these things that I've spoken about? Just one example. I could find many, but just one God. And this is the example that God gave me. Jacob lived in in the land of the Hivites on his journey. They gave him, uh, they were hospitable to him and allowed him to live there. He had a daughter he loved called Dinah. She was one of Leah's children. And one day Dinah went out. Dinah went out. And there was a guy In the town, he was actually royalty. He was a prince. His name was Shechem. His father was called Hamel. And when Shechem saw Dinah, he just liked her. He was so strongly attracted to her. Strongly. When you find things that overrule your will, make you do things you don't want to do, believe me, you better check that bodiless persons are not involved. So, he went to her. Now, he's prince of the land. He can have anything he wants. He just has to ask. But when he encounters her, something drives him so that instead of just asking her nicely, dating her, going to her family, he rapes her. Spirits of lusts. They are driven him, charged him. So he rapes her. Something you you have. Why do you have to rape her? But the thing that's driving him is saying, Rape her, rape her, rape her, rape her, go now, do it. Pull up, tear her dress. Boy, rape her. So he rapes her. And when he rapes her, she goes back home and tells her father. Her father is sad. Spirits of sadness enter him. Because you see, the way spirits work, they need an opening. They are flying around, walking around, looking for an opening. And sometimes life circumstances can create an opening. That's why you react to every circumstance by the word of God, so that you close every opening. Because openings will always come. So he waits at home, the father. And the sons who were working in the field come back. And he tells the sons, this is what happened to your sister. The Bible says the sons are grieved and very angry. Spirits of anger enter them. So the boy comes to meet the family. And the boy does the right thing shechem he brings his father he's the prince of the land he owns the place and he says listen i like your sister i want to marry her you name the dowry anything you say i'm going to pay for her that's how much i like i like her i hope you know this thing i'm saying is in the bible okay just so that you don't think i'm telling stories please put genesis 34 up so that they don't think i'm telling stories it's already there oh okay wow well done guys So he says, I like her. You name the price. By this time, the boys are seething. Anger has taken hold of them. So they say, you know what? You can have her. Don't worry about the dowry. The the challenge is that we're circumcised. You're not circumcised. So circumcise yourself. Don't pay. Don't pay money. Circumcise yourself, and you can take her. But not just you. Circumcise your whole tribe, all the men in your tribe. By this time, spirits of deceit have come in with the spirits of anger. The boys knew what they were planning. So they say, circumcise yourself and your whole tribe, then you can have her. Shechem is the prince. His father is the king. Anything he says, he tells his father. The father calls all the the men to the city gate and says, uh... Everybody, circumcise all you men. Now, if you've ever seen circumcision, I have two sons, I've watched it, you know that circumcision is not easy. But that's when they are eight eight days old. To circumcise a grown man. The man is grown. Uh, Some of you guys, even as you're thinking about it, you're shifting in your seats. I saw the way some of you moved. To, circum- to cut with a knife the genitals of a grown man, it will take you one week before you can walk. So by the third day, when the pain was at the height, the men were just sitting there. Simeon and Levi entered that town and with a sword killed every man in that town. Do you know what kind of rage that is? At some point, you should stop killing. But the anger, the spirits had taken them such control of them that they made sure that not one man was left alive. And the men could not fight back. How can you fight back with where you are? You can't move. So when Jacob heard... He was so grieved that he said to them, How could you have done such a thing? That these people, they allowed us to live here. Yet you have gone now and caused problems. Listen to what he said. You've troubled me by making me obnoxious among the inhabitants of the land. And since I am few in number, they will gather themselves together against me and kill me. I shall be destroyed, my household and I. It was the heart of a father that these people have been tolerating us. What kind of anger overcame you? She's your sister, she's my daughter too. Couldn't you control yourself? Couldn't you think? And isn't that what happens when you see someone who's been manipulated by these spirits? You're thinking, ah, sir, you left your wife of 40 years. You are now slave together. Look at these four lovely children. You followed Suzette, who you just saw on the bus. Now you say you're living her, you're in love with Suzette, you're 72, you soon die. Well, is everything okay? That's how, that's how it seems. When those spirits move people, that's how it seems. Uh, uh, why will you speak to your father like this? Why will you speak to your mother like that? Those bodiless persons have taken over. So he was so pained. We are few in number, they are going to kill us. Stupid boys. And you will imagine that the boys will apologize. But their anger was such that they said to their father, What is it? Should he should he treat our sister like a harlot? At that point, a spirit of unforgiveness entered the father against those boys. That you want to destroy everything I've built. And over the years, that spirit of unforgiveness, you see, the thing with these things, they come in like little gremlins. If you don't deal with them, they become titanic monsters. So once you know that they are operating in an area, you you kill them, chase them out. So by the time he was dying, he hadn't forgiven them. On his deathbed, he cursed them. Genesis 49 verses 5 to 7. Simeon and Levi are two of a kind. Their weapons are instruments of violence when a father should be blessing his children. May I never join in their meetings. May I never be a party to their plans. For in their anger, they murdered men. He hadn't forgotten. And they crippled oxen just for sport. A curse on their anger, for it is fierce. A curse on their wrath, for it is, is cruel. I will scatter them among the descendants of Jacob. I will disperse them throughout all Israel. So the curse entered their lineage. 500 years later, I said to someone, I said, it's like they have a computer. They program things, they know everything about you. Why don't they attack you at your strength? They don't come to your strength, they come to your weakness. When they attacked Jesus, they waited until he had fasted 40 days without food. Then they came. These stones can become bread. Bread, Jesus. That's how they operate. They won't come where you're strong. No, 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 no. They know what they've been around for 6,000 years. They know. Is in the family. Follow it. They followed that thing for almost 500 years. One day, a man of the tribe of Levi went and saw a woman and married her. There's always a good plan, but there's also a bad plan. In the plan of God, that union was supposed to bring forth a child who would be the deliverer of Israel. Israel had been in bondage by then for 430 years. That child was born. Beautiful child, the Bible says, Exodus 2. After keeping the child for three months, they couldn't keep the child anymore because they were under occupation. And Pharaoh was killing every child. Because in the spirit realm, because things happened there first, they had sensed Pharaoh's diviners, had sensed that a child is being born somewhere that will deliver them. So Pharaoh thought the way to prevent that delivery, that deliverance is to kill every child. So after hiding this child, they got to a point they couldn't hide the child anymore. They took the child by the instruction of God and put the child in the river. The good plan is always working. God sent angels to watch the basket so that the basket didn't tip over. I'm sure there were times the river wanted to tip the basket. The angels would just come the basket down. Pharaoh's daughter is walking by. It happens because it's the order of the good side. That she walks by at the time that basket is in that river. She sees the child. Her mind tells her this is the enemy. These are the people my father told me are enemies. But God touches her heart so that she loves the child against her better judgment. She takes the child and brings him up as her own in the house of Pharaoh. I can tell you many reasons why. It was necessary for Moses not to be afraid when he went back to that palace to challenge Pharaoh. The only way he could not be afraid is when he walks in there and Pharaoh stands in the fullness of Pharaoh. He says, calm down. I used to play around here. Sit down. I remember you. You're my half-brother. We used to roll around here. Calm down. All these things to intimidate them, not to intimidate me. Calm down. The Lord says, set my people go. If not... Whoever God sent, fear would not have allowed him to speak to Pharaoh. But that's another story. So, Moses grows up. That Those bodiless persons that have been following his lineage for 500 years are with him. So, one day he goes out. And he sees an Egyptian oppressing a Hebrew, a Hebrew man, one of his own. The spirits rise up and say to him, you can't allow that. How can you allow that? Kill him. That's how they talk. A wife will say something to a husband. Nothing. She meant it well. She'll say, darling, how, how are you? They'll say, see how she's talking. <laughs> Did you see how she said, how are you? But in your mind, you'll say, but she said, it. she didn't say it okay. Didn't you see when she was greeting Tunde in church? She didn't say it like this. She, she despises you. Didn't you see because Tunde is doing well? That's why she said, ah, Tunde, how are you? She didn't greet you like that. They're telling you your head. Are you listening? So you better, you, if you don't speak, these how they overrun men. You better let her know you're in charge. So the husband said, don't speak to me like that. The woman said, I only said, how are you, darling? The people are speaking. So they were telling him, kill the man. You are the deliverer of these people. He rises up, kills the man, and buries him. How many know that it takes anger to kill a man and bury him? By this time, there are computers in hell. You know, they have computers. They are programming everything, putting everything through. If you're a guy, they say this is the kind of girl he likes. Say this is a speck. This one wants to go Philomena. Hey, no, 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 Philomena. He doesn't like this kind. Philomena is tall and, too, you know, he doesn't like. This kind. That is like, like this, looking like this. Say this is the kind. That's very nice, very nice. That's his kind. They program them. That's why they come, out. They, they come and sit next to you on the plane. The other one didn't come that you didn't like is this one that is going to, fall your, going to cause your fall that they brought. That's how, it, that's how it works. They said they have anger in the family. So take him to an office where he will encounter a racist boss so that that racist boss can stoke the anger. And one day he will explode in the office and slap the boss. He's in, 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 in Pentoville prison before you can say Jack Robinson. Assault and battery. That's how they work. That's how they work. That's how they work i'm telling you i'm just telling you so you can know that's how they work so unknown to unknown to to him they are setting him up so he goes the way he becomes the deliverer he takes the children out in a dramatic way They they are tracking him and then suddenly he goes to god spends 40 days has an amazing encounter with god God writes with his own finger on stone and gives it to him. He sees God literally face to face as much as a human being can. He's coming down the mountain. All this time, their their computer is tracking him that this man, he will not enter his destiny. As he's coming down, he hears the sound in the camp. He says to Joshua, he says, this is not the sound of war. What is going on? He arrives at the camp. You know they, oh, there are many people they can use. People to use are many. It's how you survive. That is the issue. These children of Israel, they were good for them to use. They had said to Aaron, "This God, this man you say Moses, you say he's gone to God. Forty days. Who stays with God for forty days? He's not coming down. We want to see the gods that brought us out of Egypt." And of course, you can imagine they must have been threatening. So Aaron, to survive, said, okay, bring your earrings and bring all your gold. And they made a calf. And when he came down, what did Moses see? They were bowing down to the calf, saying, this is the God that brought us out of Egypt. Moses was angry. Those spirits were pushing him. That you can, can you imagine? Look at, you were blind, down begging God for them. Look at this kind of people. They were telling him in his ear. That's how they talk. Why are you people pretending like you don't hear them when they're talking to you? They said, this is what we told you. Why do you waste your time? Look at these people. See what they are doing. Are you not going to teach them a lesson? Are you going to allow this? In his anger, he smashed the tablets that God wrote on with his finger. How many know that is anger? When he smashed it, those bodiless people were saying, No. It's not just to smash it. You have to teach them a lesson. You say, pack all the, the, the smashed bits. By the time some people are doing some things, you know that they've taken over. Because you smashed it, now you're on your knees packing it together. You say, what are you packing it for? You say, I'm going to show these people that they must not do this kind of thing. Then you took it and in a premeditated manner started grinding it to powder. When people came to you, why are you and enraged? in rage mm, 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 mm. You just be grinding the thing. And the people are say, why are you grinding? You say, these people, I'm going to show them. Anytime you hear yourself saying, I will tell them who I am. Ah, they've got in. <laughs> they've taken over. So after grinding it, he puts it in the water system of the camp. And then he forces them that, you want to worship this cow, you will drink the cow. How many know that by then rage? And you know, I would love to ask Aaron a few things when I get to heaven. Because Aaron is a very interesting character. When Moses said to Aaron, Why did you do this kind of thing for them? Aaron thought, This man's anger, he can kill me too. So guess what Aaron told him? It's in the Bible. Well, I'm telling you, I'm not telling you any story that's not in the Bible. Aaron said, It's not my fault. They said they wanted it. They gave me their earrings. I threw it into the fire. And a cow just appeared from the fire. That's what Aaron Okay, just so that you don't think I'm lying, I think I have to find this scripture for you. I, I must find it. Hey, hey, please put Exodus, Exodus 32, 22 to 24 for them. So that please, they will know that I'm not uh, just fabricating this story. All this time, they are tracking. Trying to destroy his destiny. They are building up. And you know the thing with these people? They never get you when you can affect anybody. They wait until you will take many down with you. So they were waiting. Because they could have dealt with him when he was a young boy and he killed somebody. Who cares about him? He killed somebody. They lock you up in jail. Who are you? But now he was head of the nation. He was leading the tribe. So they get to a point those bodiless persons go and stoke up the children of Israel. See, there's no water now. Look at He brought you here to die. No water. That's how he behaves. Him and Aaron and Miriam, they are drinking water in their room. They will just be telling you lies. That's why I always say to people, if, if you're not sure, call the person and ask the person. Don't listen to all these voices. Say, he, he, he. that person is arrogant. I say, why? Because I remember, Doc, when they used to say that about you in those early days. They said, you know, Doc is proud. I said, Doc, is not. The, if pride and Doc, and they cannot exist in the same room. They say, someone, somebody is there, but he doesn't greet me. I say, his mind is carrying too much. These are early days of the church. Doc's notebook, that, he, that was our life. Doc's notebook. is thinking. I said, when he passed you, he didn't know. She said, I know he's a proud man. I said, no, find out. The people, the bodiless persons were telling her he's a proud man so that whatever blessing dog has for her cannot get to her. Who called the person? Every time you bring Satan into the open, he runs away. He's like a rat. Shine the light. So going around to the children of Israel, you better stone this this Moses because he he wants to kill you. When Moses heard, he just went and lay down before God. So God said, it's okay. These people, they are stiff-necked. I understand them. In God's mind, he knew that none of you is even seen the promised land, most of you. But you all die inside this wilderness. So he said, give them water. He said to him in Numbers 20, verse 8, take the rod, you and your brother Aaron, gather them together, speak to the rock before their eyes. It will give you water. Then you give them water for themselves and their animals. By this time, Moses was angry. That, ah, uh, ah. Uh, what kind of people are these? Those bodiless persons were stoking him, stoking him, stoking him. Don't allow it. If you let them, they'll do it again. This is how they did. Anytime anything is reminding you, that's how she did before. Then then she did this one. You want to forgive and follow the word of God, but they're saying, No, you'll be a fool if you forgive. They are the ones whispering to you. Tell them I rebuke you. So Moses calls them in his anger. Verses 10 to 11. And listen to his angry statement. Hear now, you rebels. Must we bring water for you out of this rock? God was in heaven. God said, Moses. He said, It has now become we. Me and you, Moses. Ah. I'm God. I'm the potter, you're the clay. There's no we. I do it. It's a privilege using you. By saying we, you have tried to bring me down to your level in their eyes. And then in anger, still angry, God said to him, speak to the rock. With anger, he he hit the rock. Not once. Those bodiless persons were telling him once for what these people did. Only once. Smash the thing. He smashed it the second time. I'm telling you in heaven, God said, over. The plan was Moses will take the children of Israel into the promised land. God said, over. Listen, don't ever think you are indispensable to God's plans. For every one of us, God already has a substitute because God's plan must not stop. So if you drop the baton, God already has a substitute. God did not intend for Joshua to lead them in. He would have rather Moses led them in. Moses messed up completely. Joshua stepped into the shoes. And listen to what God told Moses. This is one of the saddest scriptures for me in, in the sense of it, maybe not sad is the word, one of the most, re, it makes me reflect on life, on how these people can cause a man or a woman to lose out, destroy a family, wreck a marriage, you know, just, just terminate a destiny, if you allow them. Numbers 7, 27, verse 12 to 14. Now the Lord said to Moses, go up into this Mount Abarim." And see the land which I have given to the children of Israel. And when you have seen it, you shall also be gathered to your people as Aaron, your brother, was gathered. What does he mean? See the land? That's where, that's, that would have been where you would have taken them. Once you see it, come back home. He says, For in the wilderness of Zin, during the strife of the congregation, you rebelled against my command to hallow me at the waters before their eyes. God had, when, what God had said, when, when you speak to this rock, they will, they will praise me for water came out of a rock. But you went there, Moses, and you brought me down to your level. That must we, God and I. And then instead of speaking, you smashed the rock t- twice. He said, Moses, let me show you where you would have gone. And after you see it, die and come to meet me. You know, the first time I read that thing, my heart almost stopped. And then God ministered to me, don't worry, Moses didn't have the blood. He did not have redemption. He did not have the level of grace that you have. So your past will not stop your future. As long as you come under the blood. Don't let these bodiless persons truncate your destiny. 1 Peter 5 verse 8 as I end. 1 Peter 5 verse 8 as I end. Be sober. Be vigilant. Can you throw on one or two more versions for me, please? Just random versions. Random versions. As you like. I trust you there. Just random version. Be what? Be self-controlled and alert. Go on, throw, throw up one more version. Be temperate, sober of mind. Be vigilant and cautious at all times. You can't just live life anyhow. Peter says why? He says because your enemy, the devil, is roaming around like a lion looking for whom... To devour So he says be careful live life thinking be sober be vigilant amen? amen next week we'll do the last session where we'll talk about the actual weapon of war give God a clap of him give God a clap of him give God a clap of him hallelujah hallelujah how do, we, how do we win this war? You can only win it if God is fighting for you. If God is not fighting for you, forget it. These people, they've been around for 6,000 years. They know every trick in the trade. They are experts at destruction. Experts at bringing shame and humiliation. They, are, they have peer doctorates. Only God. In Christ only do we overcome. Bow your heads. Perchance you haven't identified with God so that He fights this battle for you. You haven't accepted Him as Lord and Savior. So you're not in His family. So when they come knocking, He can't answer because He's not the landlord of that house. You're online and you're watching, you're in this auditorium, and you're you're listening. Just think about life. Be sober. Be vigilant. If you haven't, this is as good a time as any, probably the best time, for you to identify with him by receiving his son, Jesus, into your life. If you would just do that with all heads bowed, slip your hand up wherever you are. Just let me know that I want to identify with him. I have to win this battle. And the only way is for him to fight for me. Slip your hands up wherever you are. Anybody saying, please pray for me. Wherever you are, slip your hands up. You want to welcome him into your life. Accept him as Lord and Savior. Father, we thank you. Lord, we bless you. Slip your hand up. Slip your hand up. Slip your hand up. I see that hand. Anybody else? Slip your hand up. Slip your hand up. Anybody else? Hallelujah. Anybody else saying, I want to settle this once and for all? If you're online, please follow the instructions on the screen. I just want to make sure, assurance double show, that this house is owned by God. Anybody else? Slip your hand up. Anybody else before we pray? Father, we thank you. Don't, don't miss this opportunity to settle this. Settle it once and for all. We give you all the praise and glory. We thank you, Heavenly Father. We exalt your holy name, O oh God. Thank you, Father. Anybody else? Anybody else? Father, we give you praise. We worship you. Thank you, Heavenly Father. In Jesus' name. And together we say, Amen, Amen, Amen. Now, how many having listened are just grateful for the blood of jesus how many how many are just grateful that you're not in this battle to fight yourself amen i want us to just be thankful for freedom the bible says he came to set the captives free for this reason was the son of god manifested to destroy the works of darkness because of the cross of Calvary, we can say it is finished. So, all this fight we're talking about is to establish what has been won at the cr- cross of Calvary. And you know what is setting you free? The truth that is coming your way. And you shall know the truth. And the truth shall set you free. Go on, someone, celebrate freedom. Celebrate freedom. Celebrate freedom. Celebrate freedom. Celebrate freedom. Hallelujah. Celebrate freedom. Celebrate freedom. Go on, if you understand that you are free, celebrate freedom. Just celebrate your own freedom. Your own freedom. Your own freedom. Your own freedom. It doesn't matter what happened in families, in times past. You are free and we just have to equip you to establish the freedom. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen.